I just got out of virtual reality. I just came back from the cloud. That's where I've been for the last hour and a half. So if you'll have to excuse me, if I don't quite speak the language of the mere non-digital human anymore because I've been in VR. Oh my gosh, VR is so cool. Welcome back to the Friday show. I'm Dustin here on the Culture Jacked podcast. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about many, many things. We're going to be talking about WandaVision, the first two episodes. And yes, today is Friday. We're getting the third episode today. We're going to be talking about Spider-Man, Disney Plus. We're going to talk about Thor, Love and Thunder a little bit. We're going to be talking about how some anime is finding itself uh, being banned and in the crosshairs of the Russian government. Uh, but before we get in, into all of that, uh, I know I know. last week I promised you that we would be talking more about the MCU. I'd give you the, the second part of my MCU primer, wherein I'd, I'd tell you what kind of major comic beats were most likely going to happen in those MCU movies that are happening this year. But I just heard a rumor that Black Widow may be delayed again. Surprise, surprise. I'm not surprised at all. And so I figured we have a little time to get to that MCU primer. We did get the one out last week talking about the MCU shows that were going to be on Disney Plus. And I, I think that's good because they're, they've already started. So WandaVision is already out there. We have the primer if you want to know a little bit more about WandaVision. Uh, and so I am going to delay the second part because I want to talk about WandaVision. And it's going to take more time than just kind of a, hey, I watched it. How are you? At the end of the episode, I'm, I'm going to talk about some of the theories that I've seen online, some of the things that I suspect myself. And uh, I don't know, my excitement, my anticipation and my theories for the third episode and the continuation of of this show on Disney Plus. So MCU primer number two is delayed a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and today is, is WandaVision day, basically. Also, if you did not catch it, there was a wonderful episode on the Culture Jack podcast, the Monday Madness episode that was focused mostly on CES 2021. And so a lot of cool gadgets were featured in that show, in that episode. And one of them was, I, I forget who the, he said did it. It was Logitech is making a mask. You know, we're all wearing masks because of this dang pandemic. Well, many people are. Uh, but this mask has, it has filter cartridges. It has a built-in speaker. It has a clear front that people can see your lips move one of the one of the <laughs> I heard a internet host talking about this mask and he said yeah it's it's you know you go somewhere and you're one of the only few people wearing a mask it's embarrassing but it's not as embarrassing as this mask because this <laughs> has a clear front so now they you're not only embarrassed but they know who you are because you can't hide your hide your identity in the clear fronted mask so if you haven't watched that episode on Monday go Go check it out. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about VR. But first, I, I've got a new obsession on YouTube. Have, have you all seen the Cartnarks on YouTube? It is, <laughs> apparently, it's from a, a radio show. But there's this guy. He dresses up in what is maybe an official uniform-looking thing. I don't know. He's, it's, it's first person. He's got a GoPro uh, strapped to his chest. 
But he goes to shopping centers and big box grocery stores, and he finds those people who don't put their shopping carts away. And as they're getting ready to leave, as they're getting ready to leave the shopping cart in a handicapped parking spot or up on the curb or in the median or in another parking spot, he he goes, whoop, 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 whoop. Excuse me. That's not where the cart goes. And he goes and confronts these people and has them get out of their cart. Most of them begin with a, a look of confusion. Who is this? Who is this man? Uh, he's Agent Sebastian, uh, I believe. Yeah, Agent Sebastian. There's there's several of them. There's there's cart narcs in in many states. Um, but he he confronts them. And when they finally go, oh, you're not you're not official. You're not like uh, you're just a guy. They go to get back in their car and he puts a bumper sticker <laughs> on their not a bumper sticker, but a bumper magnet that says I'm a jerk for not returning my cart to the, the cart corral where it goes. <laughs> and then a, a confrontation ensues. I, I would recommend you go check out the cart narcs. One or two episodes won't hurt you. They're, they're between two and 10 minutes long. They're very short, very quick, quick little things, but take a look. All right. We're going to get, get the show started, kick off the episode proper here, and we're going to talk about a little bit of news. The first piece of news that we have is uh, Evan Peters, uh, the man who played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men movies, is rumored to return in WandaVision, maybe in an upcoming episode. It'll be exciting to see. So... As we all remember, Quicksilver in the Disney MCU proper universe was killed. He he went to shield Hawkeye. I believe it was Hawkeye. Yeah, it must have been. He went to shield Hawkeye from being shot and he was riddled with bullets uh, there in the in the events of Age of Ultron. And so he he died. Now there, oh, there's a lot of crazy rumors. I don't want to get into WandaVision rumors yet, but I will. I will get into them. And okay, all right. I, I won't talk about that right now. But it is exciting to me that this version of Quicksilver is potentially going to be in the MCU. Oh, how do we know? How do we know that? So I have, I have the article here. Uh, there is a man who does the the Spanish dub of Quicksilver for the translated Avengers movies, or not Avengers movies, but X-Men movies, for this Quicksilver specifically, uh, a man named Rodri Martin, and he put out a tweet saying how excited he was um, to be voicing Quicksilver again in WandaVision. The premiere of WandaVision, before noting this is the first series, we'll have the privilege of once again voicing um, so yeah, so he put out this tweet that said, I'm so excited to be in WandaVision, getting to voice the, the Spanish dub of this Quicksilver character again. And that tweet was deleted and the account was deleted and removed. And so a lot of people online are saying that this is basically confirmation that we're going to be getting Evan Peters Quicksilver in, um, uh, in WandaVision. 
Ooh, how exciting. So that's that's how we we know the rumor and that's how we know the rumor has a little bit of weight at least what i am excited about is the fact that they are potentially putting this quicksilver character in wandavision in the mcu it gives it some of that dimension hopping that you know i am so terribly obsessed with i love it i love it i'm so excited and i have long long since lamented the fact that there have been disparate Marvel universes, that there was the Sony Spider-Verse, that there was the Fox uh, X-Men universe, and there was the Disney MCU Avengers universe, and they were all separate, and I didn't like that. I, I longed, way before the deal was ever made with Fox, way before the deal was ever made with Spider-Man, for all of these characters to be in the same universe so they could interact with one another. So they could play in the same sandbox, so they could recreate some of the same stories and major arcs and events from the comics. Now, I'm being forced against my will to reconsider that particular stance. And the reason I'm being forced to reconsider it is because I am absolutely in love with this idea that a character from a disparate universe can interact with this one. If there were not these separate universes before, there would be no opportunity for this unless the MCU were to build those separate universes, you know, one by one by one by one. And with as much effort as they put into building the Disney MCU. And so it gives this really cool opportunity and I've talked about it on this show before. I've talked about how cool it would it would be to see um, not a Hugh Jackman Wolverine again, him playing the role, but his Wolverine from the Fox side come in and take a part in the MCU. And so having this, I guess, adoptive parenting situation that was the Fox, the Marvel, the Sony has allowed us has allowed us to have a multiverse without even having to try. So that is all dependent on the fa- on the fact that is Quicksilver actually a part of WandaVision? Is he actually a part of the MCU? And if the answer is yes, then I think we are going to be able to see some very interesting things. Well, Fastbender and who was the other guy? Fastbender was Magneto. I'm drawing a blank on on Charles Xavier. Will they come over as well? I'm very excited to see it. I'm very excited to see it. All right, so the next bit of news is there is a Spider-Man spinoff, Dusk, reportedly in early development at Sony Pictures, and so the Spider-Verse continues to grow, and we're going to... Very excited for Venom. Very excited for Venom. A Dusk Movies in development in the studio, though no further details on the project were provided. So we'll keep an eye on that for you, on that for you as well. Uh, another Disney Plus Marvel show announces Marvel's Behind the Mask documentary. Uh, it's a special coming to Disney Plus next month. So it looks like in February we can we can look forward to a uh, to another show, and so. Uh, The synopsis reads as such. 
From the very inception of comic books, the secret identities have been an integral part of both superheroes and villains leading normal lives. But it's the characters beneath that that resonate with us across generations of fans. Since the advent of the Marvel Age of Comics, in the early 1960s, Marvel's writers and artists have used the notion of identities to examine the evolving concepts of equal rights. These legendary Marvel creations and stories have not only reflected the world outside our window, they have become a reflection of our own identities and who we truly are. Uh, so that's a documentary. I did hear a rumor online about masks. So masks are a different a different beast in the MCU. They don't there's no real secret identities except for maybe Peter Parker, Spider-Man, but he's, you know, again, tangential to the the main MCU continuities in the Sony Spider-Verse, right? So the rumor that I heard was that when this dramatic reshuffle goes into phase 4 and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and WandaVision really screw things up, that masks and secret identities may once again become part of Marvel canon. And I think that would be super cool because right now we know who all the heroes are. We know that the Winter Soldier is Bucky Barnes. We know that Captain America is Steve Rogers. Iron Man is Tony Stark. That Sam Wilson is the Falcon. And everyone in the universe knows that as well. I mean, we should know that as the audience. But I think that... It would, it would make for some really cool concepts if that was not, you know, universally known by every other character. Uh, there was a rumor online that the fourth Spider-Man movie is filming at the exact same time as Spider-Man 3. And so how that's going to be interesting because we've got the Tobey Maguire rumors, which are unconfirmed. We've got the Andrew Garfield rumors, which are unconfirmed. The only people I think that have been confirmed to appear in this Spider-Man are Doctor Strange and um, the Doctor Octopus. All the doctors, all the doctors are going to be in this one. And then who is the other one? Electro. Those are the ones that are confirmed uh, being in it. They rumored the two Spider-Mans, Willem Dafoe, rumored uh, the Hobgoblin or Green Goblin from The Amazing Spider-Man. Also rumored, uh, man, it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly a golden age for comic book superhero movies. And I mean, this, it, when, when we look back on the past and we've talked about it on culture, Jack, before we've talked about, you know, Hey, is, is this going to end? Like, how long is it going to go? And it could go in, in perpetuity it could go for a long long time uh all right so there was a supposed to be a post a post credit scene with vision in avengers endgame and so paul bettany said some something like that uh he's i'm gonna do my best paul bettany here he's a british guy right well he sounds brit the the computer program vision sounds brit i don't know <clears throat> at one point I was going to be in a tag where you opened a sort of body bag and draw and there was the vision. Kevin kind of talked to me and said, I've got to pull the shots. I was like, Ugh. 
because I really wanted that profit participation. <laughs> and then he laughed. Uh, so there's going to be a, a drawer. So he was going to, they were going to stash Vision's body away like some doll. Now, in Infinity War, as the, the attack was being levied on Wakanda, and Shuri was working very hurriedly to separate the Mind Stone from Vision, she apparently finished her work. Because she was wrapping some stuff, I can't remember the character's name, the, the alien dude with the, with the spear, he came in as a halberd, I think he had. I don't know what he had. Weapons enthusiasts, if you're listening, uh, let us know what what weapon he had. But as he came in, she was putting stuff away and, and shifting stuff to the side. And then she pulled away from Vision and started blasting the dude. Did she pull enough of Vision out of Vision to recreate Vision? Is that going to come into play in the WandaVision? I don't know. I, I just, every time there's a new connection that's made, and you can make so many connections on WandaVision alone in just those first two episodes as I found out from the internet, like I didn't make all these connections, but I found a lot. There's a lot of, a lot of praise for WandaVision. So that's not really a news story. We'll talk about WandaVision in a, in a moment. So Thor love and thunder, uh, Karen Gillan confirms Nebula is going to be returning for Taika Waititi's Ragnarok sequel. So the next Thor movie, Nebula is going to do some filming. Uh, during a recent interview, Instagram story Q&A, a fan asked her whether she's uh, wearing a wig in preparation for her role as Nebula in the movie. She responded uh, with, I'm not. This is the real deal. This is my hair. I cut it the other day in preparation for Nebula so that we don't have to get so much hair into the bog cap because I have so much hair. It's unbelievable. It's just so thick. My impersonations are getting more and more terrible by the day. Like it was supposed, I was supposed to be impersonating a female character or female person, a female human type person, if you will. But it came out as someone very whiny. I don't know why. I'm sure she's not like that. Maybe she is. What if she is? What if she's just a terrible turd? Okay. I'm sure she's great. Uh, it's, so Chris, this isn't so much a news story, just Chris Evans getting emotional, talking about audience reactions to the Mjolnir scene in Endgame when Captain America finally picks up that hammer and really just goes to town on Thanos. And he says he's in the theater and he started to cry. Um, he he didn't see the movie until the premiere. He went to the premiere with, uh, you know, just some regular people. Well, maybe regular people, probably probably the rich and famous. Those guys get everything. What jerks. All right. So an update on the Zack Snyder Justice League cut. It will now be released as a movie and not, like we said before, a four-part miniseries. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because it was going to be four hour-long episodes to make up this miniseries. I mean, I'm personally excited about it being one movie instead because you can sit and you can watch it in one go. I mean, that's that's great. It's going to be released all at the same time. So we get to do that real heavy compare and contrast. This could also bode maybe poorly for the for the film because are they not confident 
with this, with it doing well, with it doing well enough for the first part, garnering enough attention and interest in the second, third, and fourth part. They're releasing it as one because it's not great enough to garner enough interest for people to come back three more times for it. Is that the case, Zach? What's going on over there, Zach? Tell us. Tell us, let us know. All right, so Marvel uh, Studios president Kevin Feige confirms plans for both versions of Nova in the MCU. And so he was asked whether fans can look forward to seeing uh, Richard Ryder or Sam Alexander in their own movie or another MCU project. And Feige responded, well, yes and yes. Uh, Timing is relative, right? I think I'd, I'd been talking about Doctor Strange eight years before that movie came out. So immediate potential is relative. But clearly we are not shying away from the cosmic end of storytelling uh, right in the sweet spot of the Nova Corps and Nova himself. So that'll be good. Another, another character to be added to the roster. Uh, we've got Moon Knight, the Disney Plus series, adds... Uh, First Reformed star Ethan Hawke as the main villain. So I don't know who the main villain of Moon Knight is. I'm not too familiar with that character. Perhaps we'll have to do a deep dive into him. But his show is not supposed to be out until next year. Or I would have included that in my primer. And I'd already know about him. And you'd already know about him as well. So Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac. Oh, that's going to be good. I can't wait. Justice League star Ben Affleck calls Marvel's Kevin Feige, the greatest producer who ever lived. So uh, this is what he said. He said, let's see, good, good voice for Ben Affleck. Well, Kevin Feige is, uh, you absolutely have to say, the, the greatest, most successful producer who's ever lived. He's the only guy in the world who, if he, he told me like, I know what the audience wants. This is what we're going to do. I would believe in a heartbeat. That fucker knows his audience like no producer. He's a genius. Absolute master. You know, ringmaster of the circus. He knows exactly when to pull the hot strings of the audience. Exactly how to do the effects. How many jokes. What's the sensibility. What the tone is. (laughs) Calm down, Ben. Jeez, you're making me blush. I'm not even Kevin Feige. (laughs) Buy the man dinner first before you go to make love with your words like that. Jeez Louise. So does this mean that Ben Affleck, who no longer wants to be part of the DCEU, he wants out. He's getting out. He's being Batman the last time in the Flash movie. The Flash, by the way, um, does not have Cyborg in it. We'll get to that in just a moment. But... Is Ben angling for an MCU role? I hope he is. I hope he is. Because Matt Damon is supposed to be in Love and Thunder, most likely reprising his role as maybe one of the actors. If you remember in Ragnarok, he was an actor in that stage play, the the tragedy of Loki of Asgard, that Loki was watching when Thor came back from fighting Surtur. And so I'd love to see... An eventuality, a future where Ben Affleck is in the MCU in some form or fashion and where his character and Matt Damon's character were able to interact in some way. I think that would be be too cool. 
So uh, Ray Fisher has confirmed it. WB has confirmed it. Um, he has been removed from the movie The Flash as Cyborg. So, so they've they've written out Cyborg from that movie. And this is most likely due to this ongoing long conflict that he has with now Walter Hamada because of some of the and we still have to get into that. That's going to be a, a, a whole feature by itself on the on the podcast. But Ray Fisher, uh, there was a toxic work set environment under Joss Whedon, and uh, he said it was facilitated or at least allowed by CEO Walter Hamada. Um, oh, Jeff Johns was was one of the uh, culprits there too, allegedly. Uh, there was a settlement. There was uh, action taken. Uh, Ray Fisher has a full statement on his on his Twitter account. I'm not going to not going to read that too, but just know that there's no cyborg in the Flash. Now it's a disappointment because that's a cool character. I don't think that I'm by no fault of Ray Fisher himself that that character was portrayed correctly on the Justice League movie. I mean, Justice League was a it was a mishmash of things, but it was not a good cyborg. And I think most of that had to do with the special effects. He was very, I don't know, future alien tech. And I don't, I don't feel that in my heart is the way to portray cyborg. I feel like he needs to be like near future tech. So if you ever saw the animated teen Titans show, they did cyborg well there, I thought, but he's animated. But if you want a better example of how to do Cyborg correctly, look no further than HBO Max Doom Patrol because that Cyborg is, I feel like they, it, he's a costumed character and so he's not in special effects. But I feel like they took more of a conservative approach with the cybernetics. They didn't make it so, I don't know, Lovecraft meets technology horror author Isaac Asimov's alien future creature. I don't know. It's just weird, man. It wasn't, I think, it wasn't, I think, what I needed out of a cyborg. So I'm not disappointed that that cyborg is not going to be in The Flash. I hope Ray Fisher gets to come back in a multi-dimensional thing and be a different kind of cyborg, maybe? I don't know. I know it's not right that he feels like he uh, he was attacked on that on that set, and other people were as well. I already said that Black Widow's expected to be delayed again before Disney considers us. Just release it on streaming, Disney. Look at how well WandaVision is doing, and just release Black Widow on streaming. Um, it sounds like that's the the last resort for Disney is streaming. In a new piece from Variety, it said. As for Black Widow, expect the 2020 delay treatment should the theater situation not improve over the spring. And I don't expect it will. I think these people are being far, far too optimistic. And some of the movie studios move their movies way back toward into 2021 or into 2022. Uh, so I think expecting a spring release, it, there's still not going to be the amount of people in the theater that they want to drive the ticket sales that they think they need for a Black Widow release to be profitable in the theaters. But they said, 
As for Black Widow, expect the 2020 delay treatment should the theater situation not improve over the spring. Since it's the first 2020s film from the franchise that propelled the studio to a now fictional-seeming $11 billion uh, global gross in 2019, another delay before a last-ditch Disney Plus release is more likely to occur. Now, if you ask me, they should have released Black Widow onto streaming last year, last spring. Once all this stuff started and they delayed it the first time, they should have put it right onto streaming. Imagine Disney Plus. Imagine Disney CEO. If you had made the subscription drive for Disney Plus off of the Black Widow release and had seen a similar... ROI like Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max, a whole year had gone by of those subscription subscription fees. Man, man, forget the box office. You would have been rolling in it, dude. Um, all right, so that's it for movie news. Nope, I'm wrong. That's not it for movie news. There's something coming out of Russia that's a little strange, and I don't think I much care for it. I mean, I'm not Russian. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking my time. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Dad. Nice one. So Russia is banning some anime. So, so far, a Russian court has banned Death Note, Tokyo Ghoul, and Inuyashiki. And um, they're banning these anime for what they say are excessive violence that might influence teen behavior. There's other ones that are are uh, kind of on the watch list, I guess you could say, for Japanese anime that could be banned in Russia. And those include Naruto, Elfin Lied, and Interspecies Reviewers. Uh, so Interspecies Reviewers, I guess, is for... Uh, it's it's more sexual in nature than it is violent in nature like the other ones listed. But Naruto, I mean, yeah, Naruto is very, very violent. I guess thinking about it, it is very, very violent. So I have never, I have never bought the idea that a entertainment media outside of the absolutely most deranged would make someone uh, fall into, into some kind of pit of depravity and commit ruthless acts. I don't, and there's been studies that show there's not a one-to-one like, oh my gosh, I watched uh, Goodfellas and now I'm going to go become a mafia member. That's not how, they're escapist fantasy. That's what they are. They are, in I think many cases, an argument can be made to relieve us of some of our most base and animal desires without the real world repercussions of those desires um, manifesting. So, and, and the anime that they listed too, uh, Death Note. Uh, I'm I'm pretty familiar with Death Note. Tokyo Ghoul. I'm pretty familiar with Tokyo Ghoul. Um, Inuyashiki. Inuyashiki. Gosh, man! If there's someone out there that has better pronunciation for these Japanese titles, let please let me know. Uh, I'm not as familiar with that one, but for Death Note, it. A quick summation or quick synopsis of Death Note is a group of gods, Shinigami, 
have these these books that they write in, and that's how they they kill people. That's how people die on Earth, as they write in the book and they write the cause of death, and then people people die. And one of them misplaced his death note. Oh no, he didn't misplace it. He took some. He won someone else's death note in a gambling tournament, and he dropped it down to Earth. And this boy, Light Yagami. He picks it up. He finds it. He figures out what it does. You write a person's name in it while you're thinking of that image so you can't mix up people with similar names. And then they die. You can define how they die. You can define a period in which they die in. And if you do not make a definition, they'll just die of a heart attack and they'll die. And so he goes on a mission to, to purge the world of criminals. And he decides he's going to be judge, jury, and executioner. And then the world authorities pick this, that someone is killing these people. And then that he needs a face and he needs a name. And so they get the, the world famous detective who's only known by uh, the, the name L to hunt him down, to track him and eventually capture him. Uh, it's a wonderful series. And there was a Netflix adaptation of it that wasn't as great if you look at it in uh, in view of the series but it was it was pretty good i guess if uh, you looked at it as a standalone a standalone thing so that's death note a tokyo ghoul um a boy is almost killed by a uh, a ghoul a zombie uh, and these zombies in this are, are kind of like sentient zombies so they they have more brain power than your standard you know kind of lurching around waddling zombie, not waddling, wandering. I don't know what W word I was looking for there, but I was looking for a W word. It never came to me. And so you got waddling and wandering. That's going to be the next zombie movie, the waddling, wandering zombies. (laughs) Move over walking dead. I don't, I want to start watching walking dead again. I think I got through season nine. I think I'm one season behind. Actually, I think, I think I'm only one season behind. And then this, Season 10 is going to have bonus episodes. Is that because it's the last season? I don't know. I haven't watched any any of the Fear of the Walking Dead, but I want to watch that too. So, but regardless, Death Note and Tokyo Ghoul are both, I mean, they're, these anime are not like realistic things. They're not they're not people going and getting guns and committing murder. They're not people going out and planting bombs and killing other people. They are people writing names in a notebook to kill people. Zombies being a real thing. The The, the band seems unusual because there's so many other anime. And maybe this is just a, a hearkening of things to come for anime fans out there. Be wary. Your favorite anime may not be available in Russia soon. Not a big deal. If you're not an anime fan, none of this is probably interesting to you. But Naruto, it's about ninjas in the in the leaves who use ninjutsu. And they can summon giant toads into battle. And they can reach through to other dimensions. So none of this is like realistic things, man. Censorship in this way is not a good thing is not a good thing at all. It's, it doesn't do, it doesn't provide a service for expanded thought. It doesn't provide a service to philosophical ideas to be perpetuated and enjoyed and mauled over and recreated. And I think it's just, 
it's not good for the human race. What were the other ones? Elfin Lied. I haven't seen interspecies reviewers. Elfin Lied was very, very violent. But again, it was violent in a way that this girl who had experiments done on her could manipulate via telekinesis. She could rip people's bodies in twain. And it was very bloody anime. It was very violent. But again, it's not the stuff of... And even if it were the stuff of real things, I don't I don't ever believe that's an invitation to violence. It's an Im- invitation to terror. I don't I just don't think so. Uh, and the last the last thing that I want to talk to you about the news, this is the only real gaming news that I have aside from the VR that I'm about to tell you about is Xbox Live. Uh, for those Xbox players out there, and I know there's probably a couple of you, is uh, this, as this article says, is getting more expensive. So they are increasing their prices uh, for Xbox Live Gold. And so that's the online service allows you to ac- access the online suite of um, games and perks and benefits online play. Uh, the Xbox Games for Gold, where you get four new games every month. Should you remember to download them? Sometimes I forget. Uh, it's going, the one month subscription is going up to uh, $10.99 a month. So it's up a dollar for those of you that go on a month to month basis. The three month Xbox Live Gold membership is increasing $5. So that'll be uh, $29.99 for a three month membership. Um, and then there's a six-month membership now that is going to be $59.99. And so th- I didn't know this, but Microsoft apparently they took a they they took the year-long subscription away. Like that is not an offer for new members anymore. It's now a six-month membership. And I don't know. I, I I'd have to look at my billing statement, but I don't believe that I have been charged every six months. So what that means, and if I'm reading the article correctly, it means that if you are on a 12 month subscription cycle for Xbox Live or Xbox Gold, then you have been grandfathered in and you will continue to pay that uh, 69, is it 69? 59.99 a year as long, but new members coming in We'll have no choice but to subscribe to the six month at the at the longest option. So uh, a price increase there, except for those of us that are the most devoted, I think. Yeah, that's uh, that's me, folks. So. Yeah, interesting, because I heard rumors before that uh, Xbox Gold was going to be included in a Xbox Game Pass membership. And I think it is. I think it's included in the Ultimate membership, which is $15 a month, if I'm not mistaken. And so that's 60, uh, it's 120. So that's $180 a year. You get the Game Pass, you get the Xbox Live Gold. Oh, and if you switch over... There was something else in the article, but I'm not going to bring it back up. If you switch over from 
your Xbox Live Gold and get Game Pass, those months will then transfer onto your Game Pass Ultimate Edition. So not a great thing, price increases. If the price increases do eventually come with a, a perk, it'll be a little bit of a better thing. If there's more options, more services for that install base, then that'll be a better thing. But outside of that, I, I, it's just, it's corporate greed, man. And at, at a time like this too, man, when people are out of work, when people don't have a lot of extra capital and people are looking to cut back on certain things, you're going to increase your subscription price. Get out of town. That's not a good idea. Don't do it. Don't do it. it morally, it's objectionable. And then uh, from a business standpoint, it's also unreasonable. Thank you for more financial tips. Microsoft, you multi-billion dollar company. You can come to Culture Jack and we'll be sure, sure to give them to you. Okay. Whoa, I hit the I hit the mic. Hopefully it's still recording okay. The, last week I had a bunch of static in my episode and I apologize for that greatly. I think I figured out what what was going on there. No, I don't. I have no idea what was going on there. Uh, however, I went into, I, I plugged the mic in, I went back into the computer settings and I adjusted the input. I turned it way down and then I turned the gain way up on my microphone. So if any of you are out there uh, streaming, podcasting, doing YouTube stuff and you have a Blue Yeti microphone like I have, that's one solution I found when you get a little bit of static. Plug it in, go into your preferences and... Uh, Find your find your microphone. Turn the input way down. It's down at like ten or twenty. This is the solution I found on the internet. And then uh, turn your gain way up. And so you may be hearing the guttural noises that my mouth makes again because the gain is way high, or maybe not because the input is way low. And so that small bit of static is way way low. It's still there. It's still it's <laughs> it's like an omnipresent force that's always with us. It's always around us. It's the static and the Blue Yeti. So anyway, hopefully this has resolved it and it sounds a little bit better than it did last week. What I want to talk to you about now before I dive into WandaVision is VR. Like I said at the beginning, at the top of the episode, VR has, it hasn't consumed my life, (laughs) but it has... It's a very interesting thing. And I have I have for a long time said that VR is nowhere near where it needs to be for me to invest in it and and get involved in the VR space. And and I still think that it's not where it could be. However, the thing with VR is you can watch as many YouTube videos as you want. You can you can look up reviews of games and see pictures. But nothing that I have seen on the internet, nothing that I have seen in a video has done justice to what the VR headset actually makes you feel like when you are inside of it. And it's, it's so bizarre. It's so crazy because I've heard that from other people. People have told me, hey, man, you just got to try it. There's no other way to experience it without actually trying it. You can't look, you can't look at reviews. It's not going to do it justice. And so this last year, uh, for Christmas, we got, uh, the family, a Oculus quest two and the games that we got on this Oculus quest two, we got Moss. We got, what is that called? The room. 
We've got Job Simulator, Richie's Plank Experience, and there was one more. Don't press the button, maybe? And then, like, uh, a free one. I think the roller coaster one was free. Um, there's a bunch of free apps and stuff out there that you can get on it as well. But the the headset itself, it's, it's pretty lightweight. Uh, unless I'm in the thing for, like, a half hour, 45 minutes, I don't really notice it's there. But then the strap cart starts digging into the back of my head, and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely out of the cloud now. I, I feel like I'm a, a real boy again. Uh, so it's pretty lightweight. It's pretty good. Uh, the lenses, if you don't take it off correctly, like if you, if you pull it off of your eyes and up to your forehead, there's a potential that you're going to get some smudge from the, the sweating you've been doing. Oh, Beat Saber, <laughs> the sweating you've been doing playing Beat Saber. Beat Saber is the other one I got, uh, on, on the eyepieces. And so you want to keep that smudge off to keep your, your experience pristine and clean. The remotes are pretty cool. You got one for each hand and they've, they've both got, um, two buttons and a joystick. And so, like I talked about, I don't know if it was last week or the week before the locomotion can be an issue in these VR type games where you have to travel. And so one of the solutions is using the joystick to move. You have to set up, before you start with the VR, you set up a guardian space, a safe area for you to play in. You kick, you know, pillows and blankets and toys and dogs and cats and everything that's in your way, out of the way, in order to play this thing. You find the floor. It says, you know, reach down, touch the floor with one of the controllers, and then you've got your safe area. And what I can say so far is when we were doing some testing on it before Christmas, because we wanted, uh, you know, the kids to be able to pull it out of the box and enjoy it right at, right at Christmas, uh, we got Richie's Plank Experience. And I put this headset on. We figured out how to calibrate it and get everything, all the guardian area set up and all that. And you set up this plank, you're in an elevator, you press a button and you go up to a top floor. And I was thinking this is going to be not that, you know, whatever. But as you peek your head out of this elevator and over the plank, you were at the top of this skyscraper looking down at a street below you. And the only thing between you and it and plummeting to your death is this plank. And there's speakers inside the headset. And so it, it, it makes the sounds of wind. And as you step onto the plank, it makes little creaking noises. When you're out on the plank, it was legitimately terrifying. Like I am, I am a guy who's not a big fan of heights to begin with, but I thought this is a game. This is not a game. <laughs> I was really there. And though I could feel the carpet underneath my feet as I was inside this virtual space, this virtual reality, I could not step off that plank. I kept thinking, what if this is an alternate dimension? What if this is a this is a world that I'm not really experienced? What if I'm actually in a simulation and this is the manifestation of that simulation coming into the real world and now I'm going to step off a plank in the real world and die? I finally did. And I plummeted to my my virtual death. Who knows? Maybe there's a version of Dustin in some alternate timeline that's dead now because of what I've done. And it felt like 
the wind rushing by my ears as I was falling, the pavement rushing up towards my face as I plummeted toward it. And when I finally landed, the abrupt stop, I bent my knees. It was so real, so visceral, so powerful, so interesting. It's super cool. This other game I've got called Moss. So Moss is a little less interactive. Like you're not you're not standing up waving your arms around like a madman like you were being in Beat Saber, which is excellent, by the way. Uh, I'm going to get really good at it. I'm going to be a beat master. <laughs> well, in certain circles, I am a beat master already. However, Moss, you sit down and it looks like there is a... It, it's just like a, like a toy set up. Like there's little mountains and little tiny bridges and little tiny houses. And with your joystick, you control a little tiny mouse. And I can't remember what his name is or her name, but she runs around and you're in control of her. But you also have your controls in either hand, which are on the screen. When you put them in front of your face, in front of your eyes, they look like big giant blue orbs. And so these orbs, you can move obstacles for the mouse. You can, you know, control the mouse to come up to you and then you can pet the mouse and she reaches up and gets her ears scratched. And when she's hurt by these, you know, crab creatures that are in the game that you have to fight, and she's got a little sword, you know, you can heal her with your, with your big blue orbs and it's, it's amazing. It is what it's it's only what I could describe as playing a game in the second person. I mean, not as the not as the deity that you find yourself as with the big blue orbs to to move obstacles and things, but as the mouse. And it looks claymated. Like it looks like an actual thing that is set up in front of you that you can kind of move your head to one side or the other and see different angles of, of things and rotate things and pull things and push things and move things out of the way and grab her enemies so they can't move while she beats them down with her little tiny sword. It's an amazing, amazing game. I mean, when I when we got the VR, I never expected that I would be playing like a legitimate game. Like I thought it would all be very gimmicky, all very first person. Um, and a lot of them are, but it, it was so cool to see this game Moss. It was very, very interesting. We got another room called another room, another game called the room. And the room is like a puzzle game. And so you have to, it, it features another way to execute locomotion in a VR space. And that is through the uh, teleportation. And so you see somewhere you want to go. You want to go over by the bookshelf. You click the stick over there, highlights by the bookshelf. You let go and zap, you're at the bookshelf. And so that way you're not trying to walk around, especially if you're in a limited space, walk around and bump into things. You can zip over to the bookshelf, get your clue from the bookshelf, zip back over to the cauldron, figure out which potions to mix, zip over to the, the door to exit the stage or whatever. And it's like a mystery game. We're trying to figure out what this man, the architect, was up to. And it looks like, as we get further and further, he's actually building a gate to hell or something. I don't know, but it seems very demonic. He seems like he shouldn't be doing this. Seems like he's tinkering with things beyond his control or beyond his knowledge set. It's always a recipe for disaster and danger, if you ask me. So 
overall, really good experience with the VR. I'm really loving it. The only downside is the battery life on the headset. I hear there are adapters that you can get to extend the battery life. But I, I played Beat Saber yesterday. I played Beat Saber for about an hour and a half. And uh, that was about the battery life on Beat Saber. Now, you also, if you do get one of these VR headsets, you also have to get an adapter of some kind. In some devices, there is an app that you can just get so you can stream what is going on in the VR to another device. Because I didn't want to have my kids doing some kind of VR stunts and not be able to watch them. Because I want to I want to watch their panic as they try and walk out on a plank. And there's there's different kind of secrets in the that plank game. Like you can get a cake, but it's got spiders in it. So you take a piece of cake and a spider jumps out and it's on the end of the plank. So it's really extra extra scary. But I wanted to see their reactions and what they were reacting to. So I wanted to stream it on the TV at the same time that they were playing it. And so we had to get a uh, Google Cast uh, Chromecast, I think it was like 20, 30 bucks and you plug it into the back of your TV and then you can stream it to your TV as well. And so that's all based on your Wi-Fi and making sure that the, the Oculus and the Google Chrome is on the same Wi-Fi network and then it will work streaming there. I think you can also stream it to phones and things like that. So, uh, just do some research beforehand because you don't want to be just you, hey guys, I got a VR, and then you're standing in the middle of the living room. Everyone's on the, the couches and chairs around you, and they're just walking, watching you wave around the room like a crazy person without being able to see what you're actually, what you're actually doing. So that's the quest. It's it's been a huge hit in my house. It's been a huge hit with me, and I was very surprised because I did not think, I did not think that it would be. Okay. Uh <laughs> I got to talk about WandaVision. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to talk about WandaVision. This this show, the Friday show specifically, has become very Marvel-centric lately. And I don't know if that's just because of my desperation to get Marvel back after we've had it absent for so long. But it could be. But it's back. And it's back in a big way. With WandaVision. So this episode is airing on Friday. So episode three is airing today. I have not seen episode three as of yet, but I will before this day is done. So help me, I will. Uh, So this is going to be talking about episode one and two. So if you listen to my episode last week, hopefully you'll have seen one and two by now because this is going to have some spoilers for episode one and episode two, respectively. Uh no, for both of them. <laughs> so hopefully you saw last week. And hopefully you'll see this week. And if you listened to my show last week, hopefully some of the predictions that I made for the show will be correct. Or if they were incredibly wrong, that's fun. That's fun as well. I'm going to make some more predictions today. And again, these are not all my predictions. These are from the internet, basically. So I wanted to start with, I can't remember if it was at the end of each episode No, probably not at the end, but during each episode, there was a commercial break and these commercial breaks in episode one, it was for a toaster, the Toastmate 2000. 
which was a Stark brand product. I know you guys caught that. I know you guys saw that it was a Stark brand product. The other one was a, a watch by Strucker, by Strucker. And so the, those kind of correlations are kind of fun. They're kind of neat. And, and it was talked about on the Monday Madness show, but the the type of show that WandaVision is, at least right now, is not my particular cup of tea either. Like, I don't particularly care to watch, you know, old black and white sitcoms. But here we are, a Marvel black and white sitcom laden with Easter eggs and a potential to be something just absolutely extraordinary, extraordinary out of this world and world building is the best is the best kind of black and white sitcom that I can get into. So those two products, the the Stark Toaster and the uh, Strucker uh, watch are both important parts of uh, Wanda Maximoff's life. Her and her brother, uh, if you remember from Ultron, she talked to Ultron about how the the people that were bombing their village were using Stark-made bombs, and there was that bomb that went into their home but did not go off. For three days, they were afraid for their life because there was a bomb there that turned out to be a dud that did not detonate. And there was that blinking red light on it. And so I, I didn't notice it, but on the internet, they sure did that on the toaster, there was also a blinking red light on that. The only piece of color in that particular episode. Wait, was it the only piece of color? I'm not sure. More things are uh, getting colorized in WandaVision as, as they go. And then if you remember also in the Age of Ultron, Baron von Strucker from Hydra fame, he was experimenting on the twins based on the technology from the set from Loki's scepter that they took. Oh no, that was that wasn't in Age of Ultron. That was at the end of another film. That was an end credit scene. Regardless, that's when they showed up. They showed up uh, in Age of Ultron, and that's when they were showcased their powers. Remember, you know, when Wanda Maximoff still had an accent, but she doesn't anymore. So in episode one, it was an interesting episode. I, I thought they nailed the aesthetic of a old-timey sitcom, of a black-and-white sitcom. There were a couple significant points. Now, last week we talked about uh, Agatha Harkness, or who we think is Agatha Harkness, the character Agnes. And that suspicion, as I've been, as I watched those two episodes, I kept that in the back of my mind. Like this is, this is this Agatha, this is this witch basically is what I, is what I kept thinking. Uh, and, and as I'm watching the show with that in the back of my mind, it proved more and more true, at least to me, as I watched it, she was always there at just the right time. She always had a solution for a problem that was, was being levied against Wanda or, or vision. Um, and she was there in the, when Mr. Hart visions, boss came over for dinner, Mr. Hart, as they were, as he was grilling Wanda and vision about who they were, when did they get married? How did they get here? What did they do? Before this, and they couldn't remember, he began to choke. And 
I can't, I don't know the character's name, but she played the mom on that 70s show was Mr. Hart's wife in this. As he was choking on the floor, she continued smiling, but begun to beg Wanda to stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop this. Stop it. Knock it off. Stop it. And the desperation in her, I didn't, I didn't know this actress had such, had such range, but the desperation in her voice as she begged for her husband not to be murdered by this, whatever he was choking on. And then Wanda finally said, Vision, help him. And Vision used his ability to, to permeate through objects and he permeated his hand right through the, the guy's throat and he pulled out that chocolate strawberry they were going to have for a romantic evening that Wanda thought was going to happen before Vision remembered it was his boss coming over for dinner. So this makes me think that the people in this town in Westview, where where this story takes place, are real people. But they're real people that are somehow, they're trapped or they're hypnotized. I don't, I don't think it's something so simple that they think that they, that they're actors, that they're acting a certain way, but that they have like a subconscious feeling that they're trying to escape this thing that they're trapped in. And somehow Wanda, Wanda has the, the keys to that. Now she's got memory loss as does vision as does other people in the show so far, they can't remember what exactly they're on about. Monica Rambeau, who's in, I believe she's in episode two. She doesn't know where she came from. And that's even even shown in the trailers in later episodes when the, the episodes are colorized. Uh, and then at the end of the episode number one, so I didn't think too much of note happened during episode one. I'll have to rewatch it again later after I have later episodes to go back to and go, okay, that's where they were leading to. But at the end of the show, it zoomed out on Wanda and vision at the end of their sitcom as the credits began to roll. And it was on a TV in a colorized world in a sword vehicle. Now sword, we talked about last week. I can't even remember what it was for. It's sentient worldly other reactive defense. I don't know what it was for, but sword is obviously involved there and they're watching the goings on in Westview and what's up with that. So that was most of, most of what I got from episode number one. It was cool that they used her powers and they used them in a way that was kind of like bewitched. And then, you know, she had to remind vision to go put on his, his normal human clothes as well. Uh, really cool. So episode number two was, uh, it was good as well. And one of the things that immediately creeped me out and also creeped out the internet, as I found out later when I was looking at this stuff is the people at the people at the, uh, get together, the people at that went to the magic show for the talent show, they kept saying for the children and they would say it in unison in a way that was in a way that was very cultish. And so it, it I, I kept going, man, why are they saying it like that? That's really creepy. They got to stop doing that. Well, at the end of the episode, we find out when Wanda begins to colorize everything, we find out 
that Wanda is now pregnant. Like Vision looks down, he goes, Wanda, what? And she looks down and she's got a big belly on her. She's she's packing, she's packing some babies. So there's some theories related to that, and I'll get to those in just a moment. Uh a lot of people and and this this has been theorized before this show even came on, but a lot of people think that there is some some way that Mephisto is involved, basically the devil or a demon in the in the show. And at the end of the episode, no, it wasn't. Yeah, it was kind of at the end. It was right before they decided, they saw that she was pregnant. Uh, a man climbed out of the sewers. And the he's wearing like a whole beekeeper's outfit and he's got like bees buzzing around him. So a lot of people think that that is symbolizing the character Mephisto crawling up from a, a, a hell, from a, a Marvel hell. And they say that the character Mephisto oftentimes in the comic books is shown with flies around him. And so people are thinking, well, are the bees a substitute for the flies or are they really actually flies? And he's just wearing a beekeeper suit. And then I also saw that there was a sword logo on him that I did not catch, but there was a sword logo on him. Uh, (laughs) And that was when Wanda and Vision, they heard uh, scratching at the window. They went out to check it out. They went outside and she saw him climb up out of the sewer. She looked at him and she said, no. No, no, no. And then she rewound the sitcom. So she reversed it till back when they were inside. They could continue their conversation without this beekeeper interrupting her pleasant life that she has in Westview. Hmm. So maybe it's not sword behind it. Maybe it's not Mephisto behind it. Maybe it's Wanda behind the whole thing. So (laughs) talked about last week when in the preview Agatha or Agnes was wearing the witch's costume and vision said, are you all right? And she asked if she was dead and he said, no, you're not dead. Uh, Why would you say that? And she said, because you are. A lot of people are thinking that this is this whole Westview situation. This whole show, this whole sitcom is a way for Scarlet Witch to deal with the fact that vision is dead. It's allowing her to cope. So it'll be interesting to see where, where her, where this falls on the timeline, because after infinity war vision was killed, she was dusted in Endgame, She came back, helped fight Thanos. And then what happened to her? We don't know. Was Endgame the last Marvel movie we got? No. It was Spider-Man Far From Home because, yeah, yeah, Peter Parker was mourning Tony Stark's death, basically. Okay, so uh, there was a couple touches of color in the in the show before it was colorized. There was a toy helicopter that she found that apparently also had a, a sword logo on it. Again, I did not catch it, but the internet uh, is all a, all a buzz with the fact that they think maybe it's not a toy helicopter, but maybe it was someone flying a drone to go see what was going on in Westview. But then when it entered the space that is Westview, it became a toy helicopter and landed in the bushes. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, the devil is in the details. When so when someone said the devil's in the details, I think it was either at the, 
the pre-talent show meeting or at the talent show, Agnes said that's not the only place he is. So a lot of people are thinking that either Agnes, Agatha Harkness, is an agent of Mephisto or she knows that Mephisto is the one that is manipulating all of this. There's also been rumors about another character called Nightmare. I don't know too much about Nightmare, but apparently Nightmare could be another potential bad guy for the series. Agatha or Agnes also, I keep calling her that, and even though it's not been confirmed yet, but a lot of people on the internet are really super serious say it is, is confirmed. So I'm just using the two interchangeably. So if you, if you hear me back and forth, that's, that's why it is. She keeps referencing... Uh, Mr. Scratch or Mr. Scratchy. And I guess in the comics, she had a son named Scratchy. She also makes reference to her husband, who is not seen yet in the episode. So we'll see who he is, hopefully in a future episode. And the thing about this show is it knows it's got us. It's got the Marvel brand. We're going to stick around to see what's going on. And so this slow roll of these first two episodes, the first episode not containing a lot that's even tips you off that it's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then the second episode giving you just a little bit more. Like we're two episodes in and it has been in large part a very, very basic old sitcom. So there's that, uh, the radio during the pre-planning meeting. Uh, asking, asking Wanda, who is, who is doing this to you? A lot of people said that sounds like Jimmy Woo from the Ant-Man movies. Um, so the one rumor that I heard recently or one theory about this, and this is where I'll end kind of my recap, my excitement about Wanda vision is that because this show is supposed to have a large impact on the new Doctor Strange movie, Multiverse of Madness, a lot of people are thinking that this is Doctor Strange's doing. And he is the one who is helping Wanda deal with her grief over the loss of Vision. Oh, uh, another thing, uh, Mephisto in the comics, apparently he was the mastermind to help Wanda give birth because, you know, She's married to a robot. (laughs) He was the one that helped her give birth to two comic book characters, Speed and Wiccan uh, from the comics. And then immediately he made them disappear and then they trained up later to become the Avengers. But this could be a way for the MCU to, I guess, steamroll, to fast track a Speed and Wiccan character into the MCU in order to facilitate them being in the young adventure advent, the young advent Avengers with uh, a, a young Hawkeye with Riri Williams with Shuri, like like we said in episodes previous. So that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty neat. But if it is Doctor Strange helping her cope with the death of her lover, ah, that's super cool. That's super cool. And finally, 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 we get to see an interaction between a television universe and a movie universe that we've been hoping for for so long. Whoa, 
I think I may have skipped the news at the beginning, but there's also been rumors of Charlie Cox's Daredevil from Netflix coming over and joining the Spider-Man. Is it the Spider-Man? What is he joining? I don't know. Something in the MCU. So Daredevil in the MCU, again, another universe that I'm so happy we have the ability to see maybe merged into the proper MCU Marvel continuity. And now I'm done. (laughs) That is it for the Friday show. Thank you for staying tuned Uh, and stay tuned over the weekend because on Monday, you've got another round of that Monday Madness coming up on the Culture Jacked podcast. Make sure to leave us a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It'd be super helpful if you did. If you want to get in contact with the show, we've got Facebook and Twitter. Just follow us at Culture Jacked. You can also send us an email at culture.collective.x2 at gmail.com. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. But other than that, thank God this week is over. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.